We're going to dive into what we're talking about tonight. But before we do that, there's a couple people I want to sh- give, you know, shout outs to. Uh, we got friends all the way from Barrow, Alaska here tonight in the back. Yeah, yeah. So make sure you go talk to them, say hi to them. There are some, uh, pers- you know, possible future Seawolves uh, sitting in that back row. Uh, JR is probably not one of them. I think that that ship might have sailed, but uh, but that's okay. That's okay. So we, uh, uh, but make sure you guys go chat with them and, and say hi to them. We're excited that you guys are here. Thanks so much for being here. Actually, uh, Pastor JR, pastors a church up in, in Barrow, and this microphone that I am talking into right now was donated by his church. So can we give a round of applause to, to Anupiat AG? That's awesome. Anyways. All right, so how many people have uh, have a mom or a dad that has a very specific plan for your life? Okay, how many of you, your plan for your life does not align with their plan for your life? Anybody know what I'm talking about? Right, my mom, when I was uh, trying to figure out what I wanted to do with my life, my mom told me, Steve, you would make a great drug rep. I was like, What? I was like, wow, okay, like a drug, like a drug rep. Like you could, you could convince people to buy drugs. I was like, wow, okay. Uh, that's an interesting plan you have for my life, Mom. So I actually went to, I started in school going to school for architecture. And, uh, and I, I started studying architecture and about a, sem- well, a year and a half into, into my studies, God started to change some things in my heart and I changed my major. And I told my grandma about changing my major. And she goes, oh, Really? not going to be an architect anymore? I'm like, no, is that okay? Well, I always wanted to say my grandson, the architect. I guess I can't say that anymore. <laughs> it's like, I love you too, Grandma. Like, <laughs> it's my life, right? No, seriously, that conversation actually happened. Uh, I don't know. I don't know about you, but a lot of times our, our bosses have a plan for our lives, right? Probably your boss uh, expects you to work at your coffee shop job for the next 25 years so that he never has to employ someone else. You know what I'm saying? Anybody hear what I'm saying there? You know what? I, yeah, okay. Your pastor might have a plan for your life, and and uh, and your professors might have a plan for your life. But how many people know that God has a plan for your life? Amen? Right? He has a very specific plan for your life, and we've been talking about that over the course of the last six weeks or however long it's been, we've been talking about God's plan for your life, his identity that he has for you, the healing that he has available to you, and the restoration that he has for you, and the plan that he has for you through Jesus Christ. But what I want us to talk about tonight is I want us to change gears here a little bit. And I want us to understand that as much as God has a plan for us, there's an enemy that the Bible calls Satan that also has a plan for us. You know what I'm saying? That God has a plan for us, and in the same way, the devil has a plan for our lives, and his plan is not necessarily a good one. His plan is to kill and to steal and to destroy. And last time, last if you were here last week, we're on this uh, kind of mini-series, mini-sermon series called Trials and Trails, and last time, last week, we talked about how uh, in order to actually walk this walk with Jesus, we need to spend time with him every single day. We need to be in relationship with him. We need to be digging into, into his word and, and spending t- uh, quality time with the Lord. And we talked about how to do that. We talked about how revelation and guidance comes through the truth that we receive through spending time in God's presence and his word. And through that, we find God's plan. 
But we have to understand that the, that the devil is very real, the enemy is very real, and he has come to confuse God's plan, he's come to destroy God's plan, and he's come to destroy you. And he uses deceptive lies and temptations to guide us. And in order to understand what's going on here, in order to stay on the trail that we want to be on, in order to follow Jesus, and I said this last week, but our goal in Chi Alpha is that people would be reconciled to Christ and that they would be lifelong followers of Jesus. So what we're doing here is we're not just like coming together on a Thursday night and like hoorah-rah and saying Jesus is good and then going home and having nothing change. Our, our hope for you guys is that Jesus would restore and heal every single aspect of your life. And that 40, 50, 60 years from now, you would be playing with your grandkids and your grandkids would know Jesus because of what God did in your life 60 years ago when you were a student or a young adult in the city of Anchorage. But that plan is something that makes the enemy very, very angry and he wants to come and destroy that plan. And so we have to understand, in order to get there, right, we have to understand the obstacles that are in the way. And I believe that if we can look at the devil's plans, we can, we can start to learn how he works. And if we learn how he works, we can learn how to avoid his, his pitfalls and his, and his hang-ups. We have to understand the battle, right? Ephesians 6.12 says this, For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers and against authorities, against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. So we have to understand that our battle on this earth, you are not just fighting this battle of flesh and blood. There's actually a being on this earth that wants to kill, steal, and destroy your destiny that God has put before you. To divert you from that trail, to divert you from that path, to put you through something that distracts you enough to eventually make you stumble and fall. So who is this guy? Right, in order to understand what he's doing, we need to know who he is. Well, let's look at the Bible and let's see what the Bible says that he is. The Bible says, like I already mentioned, that he has come to kill, steal, and destroy. The Bible calls the devil the tempter, the destroyer, the adversary, the accuser, the father of lies, the enemy, and the thief. I don't know about you guys, but that sounds like one bad dude, right? There's a lot of negative things to describe someone. The Bible in 2 Corinthians 4.4 actually calls him the God of this age or the God of this world, meaning that he is, he is constantly trying to distract us with worldly things. But here's who the enemy is not, okay? The enemy is not all-powerful because he's been conquered by God already, okay? And God is way more powerful than the enemy. The devil is not all-present, meaning that he cannot be in all places at all times. The, the devil is not all-knowing like God is. God is all-knowing. The devil is not all-knowing, all right? There are things that, the, that, that God can hide from the devil that he has no idea about. And the devil, we need to understand that the devil is not victorious before we get into any of this. That there is victory in the name of Jesus and that Jesus has already overcome the devil. And what we need to understand before we talk about this temptation, before we talk about the devil's plan, is that it is not our job to overcome Satan. It is Jesus' job, and it's already been taken care of. So everybody say, good, good, right? That should be a relief to you. So our job, my job as a pastor is not to tell you how to fight sin. It, my job as a pastor is to tell you how to accept 
the victory that Jesus has already won in your life and apply it to every area of your life. Amen? All right, so how do we do that? Well, we need to start listening to truth, right? But the devil lies to us in a lot of creative ways. Now, if I were to go and uh, want to beat a team in hockey or beat a team in football, if I could get a hold of their playbook, I would have the upper hand. You know what I'm saying? It's kind of like what the Patriots do. Uh, <laughs> any Patriots fans in here? That was a shot, all right? All uh, right. You look for their playbook, right, or you film their practices, whatever you need to do. Deflate footballs. Win at all costs, all right? But they still won. They still won. All right. So we're getting off of that. We're getting off of that. We're not, we're not sticking on that. So if we want to look at what the devil is doing, what's cool is that we actually have a sneak peek into the playbook of the devil in Matthew chapter 4. And this is like the devil's best stuff, what we see here. In Matthew chapter 4, we see the devil try to go tempt Jesus. Now, we know that Jesus was a pretty righteous, pretty rad dude. And so if the devil was going to get Jesus, he had to bring his A game. And so we have a sneak peek into the devil's A game, and we see that Jesus shot him down every time. All right? So if we want to know how the devil is tempting us and how he tries to work and destroy our lives, we can look at Matthew 4. So let's look at this. Verse 1, it says, Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the desert to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. The tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Jesus answered, It is written. Everyone say written. It is written, Man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. That one didn't work. So the devil moved on to the next strategy. Then the devil took him to a holy, the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the son of God, he said, throw yourself down, for it is written. Ooh, the devil's trying something else here. He will command his angels concerning you, and they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. But Jesus answered him, it is also written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. It didn't work. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of all the world and their splendor. All this I will give to you. This was like a, a Mufasa and Simba moment right here, right? All this I will give to you. He said, if you will bow down and worship me. Jesus said to him, away from me, Satan, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. And then the devil left him and the angels came. And attended him. I believe that there are three things that we can pull from this, the three things that we can pull from this scripture. If we learn how the devil tempts us, if we know his game plan, when we hear his lies, we'll be able to identify his lies. And here's what I want you to know is that temptation is not sin. Temptation is not defeat. But the longer we listen to a lie, the harder it is to decipher lie from truth. And what I want us to be, what I want us to be able to do is to be able to hear something. When we, when we are tempted in something, we are able to see it for what it actually is and that it is a lie, and we're able to distinguish it from lie and truth. And we're able to say, no, that is a lie, and be able to walk away from it before we have it marinate for long enough to allow the enemy to convince us that it's actually truth. 
So what are some things that the devil did? Well, the first thing, let's look at the first temptation. The first thing that the devil did was the devil gave Jesus a perceived need. He gave him a perceived need. Now, there's a reason I worded it that way. Because he gave Jesus something and he said, hey, you know, you're really hungry. You've been fasting for four day, 40 days. Here's some bread, right? I don't know about you guys, but I would have been very tempted to eat that bread, right? I would have been starving, right? I would have been super hangry and cranky and the whole nine yards. But Jesus says, no, no, no. Satan, you have offered me something that is a perceived need. Right now, I am fasting. I am relying on what the Lord is doing in my life. And so what you have for me is is merely a counter offer, a, a less offer than what I already have through God. And the devil does this to us all the time. The devil convinces us that we need something that we don't actually need. Right? And I'm not just talking about material stuff. I'm not just talking about that four-wheeler that you want or that snow machine that you want or that new fishing pole that you want or whatever it is, right? I'm not just talking about that. I'm talking about deeper needs in our lives. Sometimes it's material stuff. But I'm talking about acceptance and peace and security and companionship. And see, the Lord has all of the best of fulfillment waiting for us in all of those areas of our life, and the devil takes something that has been planted in us to drive us to the Lord, and he twists it, and he says, here, I'm going to give you this thing over here instead. And he gives us something, he says, hey, I'm going I'm to convince you that this is actually what you need, not the fullness of God's glory is what you actually need. And so he says, oh, you want companionship? Here you go, I'm going to bring this really unhealthy, needy person in your life. And you being really needy, and that person being really needy, are going to destroy each other. Because you're going to be selfish, and this relationship is going to go really poorly. You're going to end up hating each other. And eventually you'll be angry at the opposite gender for the rest of your life. Right? When in reality, Jesus wanted to give you companionship the fullness of companionship in the first place. God says, the devil says, oh, you're not happy with your life? Here's a virtual reality that you can escape to and just kind of shut your brain off for four, five, six hours a night and be who this, this superhero for a while, right? You could be Master Chief for a while. I'm not saying video games are evil, okay? I'm not saying that. I'm saying that if we're using it as a way to escape reality, it's a problem for us. See, oh, you have this need to fulfill a sex drive. Here you go. Here's something on a computer. Here's a young lady. Here's a young man. You need peace. Here's a substance. It's going to make you forget about everything. James 4, 1, 3, 4, chapter 4, verses 1 through 3 says, What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from the desires that battle within you? You desire, but you do not have, so you kill. You covet, but you cannot get what you want, so you quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask who? God. When you ask, you do not receive because you ask with the wrong motives that you may spend what you get 
on your pleasures. See, guys, God wants us to turn to him with every single one of our needs, for our peace, for our acceptance, for our companionship, for all of these things. And then all of a sudden, he's going to start to point us in the direction of how he's going to fulfill these things. I'm not saying that God's going to call everyone in this room to a life of celibacy, okay? I'm not saying that, right? But eventually, if you commit your life to Jesus totally and completely, eventually you will go in alignment with his will, and eventually he's going to bring someone in your life that doesn't complete you, but someone who is able to bless you and become a partner to you in this walk of, walk of life that he has you on. We have some tools, right? We need to be able to, to, to fight these things that are going in, on inside of us. Because a lot of times we have this attitude of I deserve this or, or this, is, this is my right. I have a right to this. Or if this feels right, how could it not be right? This feels so right. And the enemy uses all of these different lies. But I'll tell you this. The only way that we get out of this lie, the perceived need lie, is through this tool. And the tool is uh, something I call surrender. And we have to use this tool constantly every single day. Because we cannot do this by ourselves. And it's not about us. You've heard me say this several times already this year. That it's not about you. And in fact, if you could overcome this, if you could somehow find a, a place of enlightenment in your life where you didn't need anything else in this world, if you could do that in your own power, then Christ died for nothing. See, he died because he was the only one that could be victor over our sins, and he was the only one that could complete us. Because he is the only one that has ever been designed to complete us. It's not about you. See, the devil tries to convince us that you can do it yourself because he knows that the victory has already been won through Jesus Christ. He says, oh, no, keep on trying. Keep on trying. Go for it. This is great. I love watching you stumble and fall. When in reality, we are all we are is we're one step of surrender away from coming underneath the lordship of Jesus Christ and saying, you are my all in all. You are my everything. I don't have any perceived needs. My needs are all met in you. I'm not going to have to look to this world any longer. My identity is in you. If you need to, if you, some practical things, if this is something that you struggle with, man, write something down on a post-it note and stick it on your bathroom mirror in the morning to remind you who you are in Christ and who Christ is in your life. That he's the Lord of lords and the King of kings in your life and that you are a child of him, that you are a co-heir with Christ, that you are more than a conqueror through him who loves you. Write those things down. Because if we don't come in underneath the surrender, if we don't surrender and come underneath the lordship of Jesus Christ, every single day we are trying to fight these battles ourselves. And we're trying to fill a need with something that the enemy is trying to give us. The second thing that the devil does is the devil tries to give us a perspective shift. So what does he do here, right? He can't convince him of the perceived need, so he goes and he does something else. He says, then the devil took him to a holy city, right? He says, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written. This is kind of scary, right? The devil actually quotes scripture. He quotes the Bible. He says, you know, it's written over here that, 
that that this would happen. So you should you should go ahead and do that. And see what the, the what the devil is essentially doing is the when he gives us tries to shift our perspective, he attacks the character of God by twisting God's own words. And essentially he takes something that that is about God or something that God had said and he twists it and he tries to use it against us. And this happens all the time in our life, right? We read something in the Bible and right away this voice pops in our head, oh, that's not what God really could have meant, right? Like he couldn't have really actually, that's kind of old-fashioned, isn't it? That can't actually apply for the 21st century, right? No, the Bible is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. We talked about that last week. And so we can count on this to be truth and the whole truth no matter what. Other times he tries to, God tries to shift our perspective and change our perspective, right? I don't know, I don't know if you've ever heard this before, but this is one of the number one questions I get asked as a pastor. Steve, if God is so loving and so good and so powerful, then why do bad things happen to good people? Why do painful things happen? All that is is a perspective shift that the devil has convinced you of. Let me explain myself, okay? We're going to use a football analogy here, all right? You see, what we forget is the ultimate victory that's already been won through Christ. And we don't dwell on that. We dwell on the problem that's right in front of us. How many people are diehard sports fans in here? Anybody like a diehard? Now, how many people would be, would admit that you're kind of a bandwagoner? Who's ever winning, you just jump on the bandwagon and go for it? All right. Thank you for being honest and vulnerable. Your small group leader will be talking to you about that and discipling that out of you. It's ridiculous, all right? Uh, anyways, so so you, I don't know about you, but in my, in my mind, right, every single year my Minnesota Twins are going to win the World Series. Every single year my Minnesota Vikings, man, they are Super Bowl bound, right? I, it's just, yeah, right? Well, my Minnesota Vikings, I'm a little less faithful than them. But, uh, but here's the deal, guys is that so many times, going back to that whole thing of, of, well, how can God let bad things, if he's so good and if he's so powerful, how could he ever let something bad happen? Well, this is what Jesus has done. Jesus has gone before you and has already won the Super Bowl for your team. And he's won every single game along the way. He's gone undefeated. No one's done that since the 1970-something Dolphins, right? He's done it all, right? He's blown every team out of the water. Completely out of the water. But on week one, a team got a chip shot field goal and they scored three points. And even though we know we're going to the Super Bowl and we know we're going to win the Super Bowl, we put our hands up like this. Oh, this team stinks. I ain't cheering for them anymore. They gave up a field goal. Unbelievable. I'm out. See ya. Right? And see... The devil convinces us of the same thing. What we have to understand is that we live in a fallen world. The only perfect place that we will ever experience is heaven, which is where we get to go spend time with God after we die because of our faith in Jesus Christ, right? And because of the forgiveness that he made available to us through dying for us on the cross. He has already gone before us and prepared a place for us in his kingdom. The victory has been won. But just because everything doesn't go our way here on earth, the devil convinces us that, 
oh, God must not be all-powerful. He must not be all-knowing. All he must not be all-good. Because the devil scored three points. And the score is now three to infinity. And we look at that three points, and we're like, oh, unbelievable. I can't believe it. God, you are, oh, oh, no. And over here is infinite love and infinite joy and infinite peace and infinite life. And we don't grab onto it. Because the devil has shifted our perspective. I'm not going to sit here and tell you why your family member died. I'm not going to sit here and try to explain to you why your family member got that disease or, or why that person did that terrible thing to you. And I'm not going to sit here and tell you that God had that happen. The devil had that happen. But your choice that you get to make now is whether you're going to concentrate on the victory that you have through Jesus and the peace and the healing and the re restoration that he has available to you right now in this room at this moment, or are you going to concentrate on the three points that the devil got? I would hope, I would hope that you would concentrate on the infinite healing, the infinite love. So don't fall for that. Read the whole story. Look at the whole story. What's the whole story? The Bible gives us the whole story. And if we want to stop having our, our perspective be shifted, the tool that we use for that is God's word and God's wisdom. Jesus obviously knew the word of God, right? Because for every single thing that the devil was trying to shift his perspective on, Boom, he had a verse to back it up. Boom, he had a promise from God. Boom, he had some sort of truth. And that's why we talked about what we talked about last week. Because if we are not valuing God's word in our life, we're just kidding ourselves. We're never going to be able to make it for Jesus in the long haul. We will not be able to decipher truth from lie if we don't know truth. So talk, over, talk it over with God. Talk it over with people in your life, right? This is why we do small group in Chi Alpha, so that everyone has a sounding board who, with someone who might have been walking with Jesus for a little bit longer than you have. Because here's the deal, is that a lot of times, as soon as you speak a lie, as soon as you talk about what was going on in your head and you speak out what was going on in your head, so many times you're like, wait a minute, that doesn't make sense. I know that that's not true. How have I been listening to that for the last month and a half? And sometimes just talking to God about it and saying, God, this is what I'm hearing. And all of a sudden, wait a minute, I know that's not who you are. I know that that's not your character. That's not in alignment with your word. Or talking, to it, talking about it with our small group leader. And all of a sudden, we're like, they're like, wait a minute, what does God's word say? And you're like, oh, shoot, yeah, you're right. I've been listening to this for way too long. Seek wisdom, seek the word, go for truth. So that the, the ridiculousness of the lie that the enemy is trying to give you gets revealed. The third and final thing that we're going to talk about tonight is what I call the, the counterfeit shortcut. So if you won't take a counter offer, the devil gives you a counterfeit to try to fulfill what it is that 
that you wanted cake. What do I mean by this? Okay. Well, Jesus here, the third temptation, right? The devil does something very, very interesting. He takes Jesus and he puts him on this really high mountain. And he shows them all the king, he shows them all the kingdoms and all the kings, all the world, and he says, All of this can be yours if you just bow down to me. Right? That like fine print at the end of a drug commercial, you know. Side effects may include, but are not limited to. Blah, 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 blah. It's like, did I hear death in there? <laughs> did I hear dismemberment? <laughs> like, <laughs> did I hear a limb is going to fall off? I, I just want to get rid of a headache, you know. Just, but anyways, <laughs> where are we going with this? So, so the devil gives him this offer, right, this really beautiful offer. Now, I find that really interesting because what is Jesus' ultimate destiny? To be the Savior of the world and to be the King of kings and the Lord of lords. So what does the devil do? He says, hey, Jesus, I know your destiny, and I'm going to give you a shortcut to it. And you can have everything that you're called to. You're called to be the King of kings. You're called to rule all the nations. You're called to sit on your throne in heaven and have power and dominion over everything. And at your name, every knee shall bow. And the devil says, I'm going to give that all to you. You can skip all the suffering. You can skip all the pain. You can skip everything else. All you need to do is bow down to me. And what does Jesus say? No, no, no. It says, worship the Lord God alone. I'm sure that that was a tempting offer for Jesus, knowing the type of death that he was going to have to bear on a cross. I know that that was a tempting offer for Jesus, knowing the, the pain and the ridicule that he was going to have to face throughout his life. But he didn't take it. And so many times the devil tries to do the same thing with us. And this goes for a lot of you. If you've been serving the Lord for a long time or, or maybe just a little bit, I think the devil does this in our lives so many times, right? That God puts this, this deep desire into us to do something great for his kingdom, to conquer something great for his kingdom. And the enemy comes in and he offers a counterfeit to appease that desire that's in our life. And I'm not talking about the substances. I'm not talking about all that stuff. What I'm talking about is I believe that God has called us all to be, to be courageous for his kingdom. But what the devil will do is he, instead of being courageous for God's kingdom, he says, hey, why don't you be courageous on earth? And why don't you challenge, why don't you compensate this by challenging everyone in your life? And being angry at people who wrong you and making sure that you need to grind and pull and scratch and claw to make sure that you get to the top. But you'll still achieve what, what, what your calling is, is to be courageous and bold and to advance things. The devil says, oh, you're, 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 not, you're called to be secure, not insecure. So I'm going to make you secure with, with a title. I'm going to make you secure with a paycheck. I'm going to make you secure with the major that you choose. And we get focused on that. Instead of focused on what the Lord wants us to be focused on. Sometimes the devil takes our greatest strengths and turns them into our greatest weaknesses. Or he takes our greatest strengths and he uses, a, uses them to distract us from the ultimate call of God that God has placed on our life. So many times people tell me, oh Steve, you, you could do this, you could do that, you could do this, whatever, right? It's like, no, 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 I, I know that I am called to be doing what I'm doing. 
And I'm not saying that everyone should be called to be a college pastor. I'm not saying that. But I'm saying if you're getting that degree, you better be doing it for the glory of God. If you're getting that fat shape paycheck, you better be doing it for the glory of God. And not to fulfill something that has been put inside of you. To never forsake your calling. Our counterfeits always, if we can see our counterfeits, they will always reveal an area of idol or an area of insecurity in our lives. Something that we are chasing or something that we are trying to compensate for because we're not chasing after the thing that God has called us to chase after in the way that he's called to have us chase after. So where do we go? Where do we go from here? Well, the Bible says in Romans 12:1 to be transformed by the renewing of our minds, right? And here's what I want you to know is that tonight, Steve is not telling you what to think. Tonight, I'm trying to teach us all how to think more like the Lord, right? I don't ever want to be in the business of teaching people how to think. I want to teach, or what to think. I want to teach them how to think for themselves because only then will you be able to overcome the lies in your life. I believe that we need to be transformed by the renewing of our minds every single day. I believe that, that in order to do this, in order to do this well, in order to overcome temptation, we need to understand that, that we, have, we have this, this plan that God has for our lives that he needs to constantly be reminding us of. And we need to constantly be letting him remind us of those things. Because once a lie has been identified, we're able to get it out of our lives, right? And here's, here's, my, here's my request for you. Here's my challenge for you. That all of us have things that we've been listening to. And as I've been, as I've been preaching tonight, as I've been teaching tonight and talking tonight, I guarantee that there's been some things that the Holy Spirit is starting to tug on your heart and say, hey, this is a lie that you've been listening to. This is a lie that you've been listening to. This is something that you've been following. My recommendation to you tonight would be that you would rip that out of your life completely and totally and entirely tonight. That you would not leave this place just being like, yeah, that seems like a good idea. But that you would rip it out of your life. And every single time it comes back that you would be renewed by the transform, that you'd be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That you would say, yes, that's a lie. Yes, that's a lie. Here's God's truth. 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 But it has to start tonight with a decision to say, yes, I'm going to surrender all to Jesus. I can't do this myself. God, whatever your will is, I'm going to go for it. And I'm going to seek you and your wisdom and your word, and I'm, I'm running for you tonight. If the worship team could come back up. I'll just close with a, a couple more thoughts, and then we're going to play. Guys, sin and lies will always take us to places that we would never thought we'd go. And it will take, her, take us deeper than we ever thought we'd get. And if you've been caught up in something for a long time, you know that that's true. But here's the cool thing. Is that there's always a way back. The path of temptation always leads to destruction. Because that's who Satan is. He's a destroyer. He doesn't have another option. 
It always leads to destruction. But here's the beautiful part, and this is the hope that we find in Jesus, is that we always have the opportunity to go from that path to Christ's path. No matter how far down that path we've traveled, no matter how many times we've hopped back on and hopped off, no matter how many, how many bad things we've done, no matter how deep we feel like we've gone in, all it takes is a decision in our hearts to say, yes, I'm going to run after God in this area of my life. I'm going to step on this trail, and I'm going to run after Christ. I'm going to run after the truth rather than run after the lie. And that's the power of the gospel is that it's available to us anywhere, everywhere, at all times in our life. What I'm asking you to do tonight is not to do more as a Christian. I'm asking you to, I'm asking you to do less as a slave to the enemy. And see, when we word it that way, right, again, that perspective shift, right? Oh, man, Steve's just asking you to do more, 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 more stuff. No, no, no. I'm asking you to quit saying yes to signing up to be a slave to the enemy who wants to destroy you and kill you and rip apart your destiny that God has for you. And tonight it takes making a decision to finally say yes, I'm laying that thing down that I know has been a lie. I'm laying it down. I'm starting now. And tomorrow when that temptation comes back, I'm going to be renewed and I'm going to be transformed because I'm going to remind myself that that is a lie and this is truth. That's a lie, this is truth. That's a lie, this is truth. Hey, we love you guys so much. Don't forget, if you're interested in World Mission Summit or hearing more, get signed up at the info table. We love you guys. Have a great week. And good luck with the rest of your midterms.